This is the Faculty New Books Podcast, covering the arts, humanities, sciences and professional fields. Each week we invite a leading or emerging author to discuss their new work. In the 19th century, um, the great Swiss historian Jakob Burkhardt said that Vittoria Colonna was the Renaissance woman. And even though lots of things about history have changed and how we understand history, I think it's fair to say we still, I at least still, consider her the absolute epitome of what we think of when we think of the Renaissance. So Vittoria Colonna was born in 1490 to a very aristocratic family outside of Rome. Her family, the Colonna family, had been one of the leading uh, dynasties really in, in the area known as the Castelli Romani, the castles outside of Rome, and had a big presence in the city of Rome since the 11th, 10th or 11th century. So she was born into very, very privileged circumstances, and yet went on to carve out a place for herself in the world that was totally unprecedented. So this is a woman who became at 35 widowed, and instead of remarrying, she had many opportunities, she could have remarried, she decided to live her life as an independent woman. She became literally the best friend of Michelangelo. He went into mourning for three years when she died. She and Michelangelo exchanged many works of art, drawings and paintings on his side, as well as poems, and a whole book of uh, devotional sonnets, over a hundred sonnets that she wrote to Michelangelo. Her sort of greatest claim to fame is that she was the first woman ever to publish a book of poems in Italy. And in the aftermath of that, after she published uh, or had published, she actually didn't uh, have anything to do with the publication, but the publication of her 1538 book of poems set off a revolution in Italian women's writing. So she was the first woman to be published. By the end of the century, by 1599, over 200 women had been published in Italy. So when we say she's a Renaissance woman, we mean she was super, super influential over other women at the time. She was super well connected. She was friends with popes, with the Holy Roman Emperor, with Michelangelo, with other very famous writers. So when you think of, when we use the expression, you know, someone is a Renaissance man, or when we think of them as having many diverse talents, she fits our current definition, but as well as that, she was inside the Renaissance, one of the most important women to live. One of the interesting things about Italy in the early 16th century uh, is that, well, there was no such thing as Italy. (laughs) There were lots of different states that were in different competing relations to each other. So where Vittoria Colonna was from, her family was one of the leading families of the area known as the Papal States, meaning they were controlled by the Pope. So she specifically, her family specifically had around 14 castles and properties in the Castelli Romani outside of Rome, but all of that made up the Papal States. So at this point, the church was not simply the greatest religious institution uh, in Europe, but it was also a major landowner and a major political party with armies, with you know entire systems that we normally associate with states. Then we have all of the different city-states of, of Florence and Siena and, and so on. Vittoria Colonna, because of the particular circumstances in her family, became in effect the diplomatic head of the Colonna clan. Her brother, who should have been occupying that role, was very, very unstable. Um, we would probably say he was mad, but in any case, no one could count on him. So 
starting in the sort of 1530s and early 1540s when tensions between the Pope and a lot of the families around him were rising, people started turning to her. We have letters, you know, from literally the Holy Roman Emperor and his, and his uh, delegates saying, you need to ask Vittoria to intervene. So she became the sort of um, unofficial head of her family and her family was on multiple occasions waging a war against the Pope. So they actually needed her as a key diplomatic negotiator. When Vittoria Colonna's husband died, she was 35 years old and she was childless. And in the Renaissance to be found in that position was extremely disadvantageous. The whole purpose of getting married was to produce an heir for this enormous combination of families because her husband was one of the leading uh, families running the kingdom of Naples. So we have two very powerful people who were put together when they were three or four years old. That's when they were initially engaged and the marriage didn't bear fruit. In the aftermath of her husband's death, she went into profound mourning, a mourning that lasted by her count seven years. At some point during that time, she decided to turn to a very unusual form to deal with her grief. So most widows at the time would have been immersed in prayer. They would have been in church and in private chapels praying. She did that as well, but she also decided to start writing poems. So over the course of her mourning, she wrote around 125 sonnets. And those sonnets were poems in which she, what we would say in contemporary terms, she worked through a lot of the issues that were still burdening her not just her grief about her husband's death, but her grief about not having children, her grief about, you know, not knowing what to do with herself and so on. So poetry became a kind of cathartic vehicle for her mourning, as well as a practice that that she then took forward. So her first body of writing um, was a collection of secular sonnets, sonnets of mourning, sonnets, we could call them, I call them posthumous sonnets written uh, for her and to her dead husband. At the end of that process, she very deliberately decided to switch gears. And having completed what she understood to be her mourning, she wanted nothing more to do with secular poetry, with love poetry. She decided that she would become a religious poet. And to my understanding, and I, I'm still waiting for someone to correct me, she was the first person to write a collection of religious sonnets. So what she did was to take a form that was totally associated with human love for one another and to apply it to the divine. The collection of poems that she wrote, the, the religious sonnets that she wrote, were actually given first as a gift to Michelangelo. So we have two discrete bodies of writing. One, what we would call, broadly speaking, love poetry or secular uh, sonnets, and the other uh, devotional or, or religious sonnets. In the last years of Vittoria Colonna's life, she first went into what we would again call a depression, um, and a severe depression. She actually was refusing to eat. She was starving herself. And all sorts of medical doctors had to be called in to try to convince her to save, uh, to save her body in order to save her soul. So she had a period of extreme melancholy, probably brought on by 
a horrible outcome to the war. Her brother and the Colonna family were fighting. They, they were decimated by the Pope and she managed to escape, but all of her homes, her childhood home where she was born, the Casa Marina was, Marina, excuse me, was burned down. Her brother had to go into exile. So there was a collapse of the family. And that was one of the reasons uh, among no doubt others that she went into such a deep state of despair. That lasted more or less until the year or two before she died, at which point she seems to have found a way out. And the way out for her was through this spiritual awakening. She had always been very religious and, and had become increasingly interested in, in Protestantism, actually. In the last year or two of her life, though, to answer the question, she, she started to write a kind of spiritual, almost ecstatic kind of religious uh, writing. This, at this point, she was not writing poems so much as prose meditations, but the meditations imagined her leaving her earthly body and going to the heavens and meeting with female saints and with the Virgin Mary. And it was all part of an exchange she was having with a cousin of hers who was in a nunnery in Naples. They wrote these amazing letters to each other. Um, so she became increasingly inward focused and seems to have found a devotional calm that was not entirely bound up with women's piety, but was largely focused on that. Although I have uh, a PhD in Renaissance poetry and I did my undergraduate work in, in uh, mostly Renaissance literature, I actually had never heard of Vittoria Colonna 10 years ago today. The name had never been brought up to me. No one ever talked about her. And what happened was I was writing a different book, uh, a book called Posthumous Love, which is about mostly about English male writers reckoning with Petrarch. So it's about Wyatt and Shakespeare and Marvell and, and Dunn and so forth. And a colleague of mine said, you're putting all of this weight on Petrarch, but he was by no means the only person writing poems to dead beloveds in Renaissance Italy, why don't you look at Vittoria Colonna? And as I say, I'd never heard of her, but I was intrigued and I went to the library. I couldn't find, one of the reasons I'd never heard of her is that she's been out of print for decades. And the, the last decent edition of her poems in Italian was published in 1982 and it's totally out of print. I have been unable to buy a copy in the last, 10 years since I've been working on her, or eight years. Um, there is no extant edition of her love poems in English. Uh, there will be in a month because I've actually translated them. So they're about to come out in print. But until my translation appears, there has never been an edition of her love poems. There's an edition of her spiritual sonnets for Michelangelo translated into English, but not of the love poems. So the point is I had very little access to her and I couldn't find an edition of her poems to read except that I happen to live next to the Harvard uh, Rare Books Library. I live very close to it. And they happen to own the 1538 edition of her poems. This is the landmark publication that was the first book ever published by a woman. So I went into the Harvard Library and I sat there with this beautiful book that was you know, nearly 500 years old in my hand, sort of crumbling pages, but still intact, obviously in Italian. And I spent a few days reading her poems and I was completely blown away by them. I had no idea 
that there were women writing such frank, really emotionally gripping poetry in the 1500s in Italy. And I decided at that point, I was about to be on sabbatical in, in Rome. I was gonna be at the American Academy in Rome the following year. And I decided that as soon as I finished this book, I was nearly done with, Posthumous Love, I would devote myself to her. You have been listening to the Faculty New Books Podcast. Head over to Faculty for thousands of interviews and insights across the subject spectrum.